Well, I have been blessed so far this morning, and I hope you have too. Amen. Amen. Take your Bible this morning. Let's go to Daniel chapter 3, book of Daniel chapter 3. And let's all stand as we read the Word of God together. Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to read quite a lengthy portion of Scripture. We're going to read the whole chapter. But God has a message for us in this chapter. And it all came about kind of last Sunday when the girls were singing. And they were singing about going through the fire. And I began thinking about that. And that thought has stuck with me all week long. And so this morning, we're going to preach about going through the fire. And of course, y'all know who went through the fire in Daniel chapter 3. The Bible says in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits and the breadth of six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province, or I'm sorry, in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together under the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an arrow cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, that you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall be the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso faileth or falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. 
But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Notice they didn't call Nebuchadnezzar king. Did you notice that? The Chaldeans called him king, but these three Jewish boys didn't. Verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. They were going to burn up everything these men had. Therefore, because the king commanded, or commandment, was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Amen. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. Boy, I like this that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. When you go through the fire, let's pray. All right. Brother Ron, would you pray for me?
Amen. You can all be seated. As the girls were singing last week, as I said, they were singing about the fire. And let me tell you, it touched my heart. I enjoy hearing those young ladies sing. It always blesses my heart. I begin to think about times in my life that I've gone through a fiery trial such as that. I've never been cast into a fiery furnace, and I would dare say none of you all have either. But let me tell you, there's still trials in this life. And they're no fun, and they hurt. They can hurt spiritually, emotionally, physically. They can hurt your family, hurt your friends, hurt your church. But what I found out is this, is how deep the scar runs. You ready for this? How deep the scar runs from those hurts and those trials that we face is based on your faith and trust in God. Some people, it strengthens as they go through the fire. Some, it knocks totally out of the race. They quit living for God, they quit living for their family, and they quit living for themselves, and they just basically sit back and wait for God to take them home. But what I've learned through the trials I've been through is this, that God has a reason for those trials in my life, and He has a reason for those trials that you face in your life. There's a purpose that we go through these trials in our life. Can I tell you that when you accepted Christ, God didn't promise to take away all your trials and to make life easy. What happened is this, you just got a different set of trials that you have to face. I mean, let's just face it, life can be hard. You say, well, life's easy. Give it time. Give it time. I talked to an old preacher many years ago. When I was a young man and I was in school, I liked to spend time with men who were old preachers. And I'd just try to find out where they were sitting and I'd kind of get up where they was and I'd just kind of try to get in there just where I could hear. I didn't want to talk. I just wanted to listen to the wisdom that they had. Boy, it's amazing the things that you can learn from just listening to these old men of God. I remember one man said this. He said, you know, he said the ministry would be a great thing if it wasn't for having to deal with people. But guess what the ministry is? For without people, there'd be no ministry. Trials are hard. And I remember them talking about those trials and those things that they were going through in their lives and going through in their churches and going through in their families that really that one pastor or one preacher can only talk to other preachers about. 
It just only happened when you got saved, man. You just got a whole different set of trials. And the older I get, the more I realize they're coming. And they're coming. And I remember one old preacher, he said this. He looked at one of the other guys and he said, you know what the greatest words are in the Bible? And they said, well, no, brother, I, I don't know what they are. He said, and it came to pass. You see, a lot of times we lose patience in going through that trial. Going through that fiery trial that so easily besets us sometimes, we just lose patience. But God has a reason for you going through that trial. Can I say this? That going through a trial is nothing strange. It's nothing weird. It's nothing out of the ordinary. It's common to mankind. When we go through the scripture, we find that Adam faced a trial of expulsion from the garden. We find that Noah faced a trial of building the ark. We found that Abraham faced a trial of not having an heir. And we found that Jacob faced a trial of wrestling with an angel. We find that Joseph faced the trial of being sold into slavery. And we find that Moses faced the trial of Pharaoh releasing the nation of Israel. Joshua faced the trial of gaining the promised land. And Gideon faced the battle of the Midianites with 300 men. We find that Ruth faced the trial of the near kinsman redeemer. And Job faced the trial of losing it all. We find that David faced the trial of Goliath and the trial of Saul and eventually Absalom. We see that Jeremiah faced the trial of the destruction of Jerusalem and Daniel faced the trial of the lions. We find that our three friends here that we read about faced the fire or the trial of the fiery furnace and Jesus faced the trial of coming to this earth and shedding his blood on the cross. We find that Stephen faced the trial of being stoned, that Paul faced the trial of changing from a Pharisee to the preacher of the gospel. We find the early church faced the trial of extermination. The apostles all faced the trials of execution. And John faced the trial of expulsion on the Isle of Patmos. There's no new thing under the sun. But when we look at the trials that these people faced in Scripture... You know what I see? Our trials aren't a whole lot. No one's trying to exterminate us for being here today. No one's trying to execute your pastor, thank God. I'm happy about that. I don't know about you are, but I am. You see, we look at our trials and we think no one has ever been through what we've been through. No one's ever had it as bad as we've had it. Guess what? Somebody has. And somebody's had it worse. And somebody's had it harder. It hurts now. But as that old preacher said, and it came to pass. The first thing I see about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is this. 
is that they trial that they faced, the trial that they faced in going through the fiery furnace was because they were doing right. They were doing right. So many times we find ourselves in a trial or in a problem or a situation, not because we're doing right, but because it's self-inflicted. And then you know what we do? Oh, God, get me out of this mess. God didn't put you in that mess. You put yourself in that mess. And I thank God for 1 John 1, 9, where he says if we, if we confess our sins, what? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you know what I believe, Brother Bud? I believe every once in a while God gets us out of the trials that we get ourselves into simply because he loves us. And I thank God for that. But here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're facing the fiery trial simply because they decided to do the right thing, and that was not to bow down to the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. You know, there's so many times in our life when we have to make the decision to just do one thing, do right. You know, Nike said it, just do it. Just do it. But can I finish it for the Christian? Just do right. There'll be times when it's hard, times when you won't get ahead. There'll be times when, when it doesn't seem like it's fair, but just do right. If you do right, it'll come out right. Just do right. I had a situation come up here not too long ago where I ordered something for Jerry off of Amazon, and it didn't show up in the day they said it would. They said, well, it'll be there in another week. And I waited a week, and it didn't show up. And I waited another week, and it didn't show up. So I contacted the seller and talked to him, and he said, just be patient. It's coming, blah, blah, blah. I waited three more weeks, and it didn't show up. So you know what I did? I canceled the order. They returned my money, put it back on my credit card, just like they should have. And then guess what happened a week later? It showed up. You know how easy it would have been just to have ignored that and said, well, looky there, look what I got. You know, Brother Terry, I couldn't do that. So I got on, online, and after finally hunting through the Amazon website for about a half an hour, I finally found how to get a hold of somebody. <laughs> and I called them, and this nice lady answered the phone, and I explained the whole situation to her, and she looked the order up, and she said, well, what can I do for you, David? I said, I won't pay for it. I got it. I need to pay for it. I need to take care of this. She said, well, you know, she said, based on your honesty and the fact that you want to make this right and everything, and it took so long for you to get it, she said, don't worry about it. We're just going to give it to you. But you know what? I went to bed that night with a clean conscience, knowing that I had done right. I'd rather paid for it than to have to worry about God coming down on me for doing something wrong. You know, the thing of it is, we don't understand, we, we just need to do the right thing. It's part of our testimony. It's part of who we are or who we should be. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow down to that image. We won't do it. Old Neb said, my word is gold and it's true. And Neb said, you're going in the furnace, boys. They were so willing to do right. Y'all listen to me now. They were so willing to do right that the three of them laid their lives on the line. Oh, that we'd have Christians willing to do right so much that they were willing to lay their life on the line. If you do right, it'll come out right. You know, the next thing I see about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is this. Somebody showed up in the middle of their trial. You know, you might sit back and you might think it's the hardest thing in the world. No one's ever felt it like you have. No one's ever done it like you. But let me tell you something. God knows. And God has a reason for you being in that trial. God has a reason for you going through it. God has a reason for you experiencing that pain and that heartache and that sorrow. God has a reason for whatever's happening in your life. And you might sit back and say, I don't understand. Well, give it time, Buster, because you will. God will teach you. He will show you. He will show you exactly why you're going through what you're going through. And let me tell you, that's when God shows up. Have you ever just been in a time when you've been praying and God just became so real? And so it's just like he was standing right there next to you. You see, God shows up. I believe he shows up when we're in that realm of that fiery trial. I know he does. I've had it, I've experienced it myself. Now, I'm not saying he shows up physically. I'm not saying he shows up supernaturally. But what I am saying is this. He reaches out and he touches our hearts and he gives us that comfort. And that, that, that thing just passes all understanding. Amen. Many, many years, I won't say many, many years ago, but my daughter would be mad at me. She heard me say that. But when our first daughter, Elizabeth, was just a little girl, maybe two years old, Jerry knows the story I'm about to tell. But Elizabeth got very sick one day. And she wound up having, I think it was seven seizures. Just boom, 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 right after another. And we wound up, we took her to the hospital and they put her in a pediatric ICU. And they were just scared to death of what it could be. And they're trying to figure out what the problem was. And Jerry and I were just kids ourselves, basically. And we're trying to, you know, it's just a scary time. And during that night, uh, I went home to get something. And, and I was in between. I wasn't, wasn't there at the hospital at the time. But Jerry was in the ICU waiting room. And she began to pray. Just begin to pray. And she said, all of a sudden, it felt like somebody reached out and took hold of her hand. And she opened her eyes. 
There was nobody there. But we believe that was God showing up in the midst of the trial. You know, you might say back, God, you might sit back, you might say, well, God never done anything like that for me. You know what? Take strength in the fact he did it for somebody else. God shows up when we go through those trials. And you know why, Miss Vicki? Because he loves you. Because he cares. Because he wants you to know he's there. He wants to prove to you that he's real. He wants you to have an experience with him. But the only way you can have that experience is to go through that fiery trial. Have you been there? I'm sure we could go around the room and hear story after story after story about people who have gone through situations and things like that. But God shows up in the middle of the trial. Next thing I see is this. God uses a trial to proclaim who he is. God uses those fiery trials to proclaim who he is. Here's old Neb. And I mean, think about it. He had the governors, the counselors, the sheriffs. He had everybody from all the provinces come. And as those Hebrew boys were coming out of the fire, he said, there's no God but like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We want God to get the glory. We want God to get the honor. We want to lift him up. We want to live for him. We want to praise his name. But can I tell you this? I think sometimes we want to do it shouting and waving and singing. But sometimes we need to live for God in the middle of that fiery trial and allow God to use what we're going through for him to proclaim who he is to this lost and dying world. Have you ever prayed, God, use me? Guess how he might use you? You know what I've learned, Miss Sandy? It's none of my business how he uses me. It's his pleasure to use me any way he wants to. And I need to be willing to allow him the freedom and the privilege of using me any way he so desires. And like I said, 
it ain't always fun. And sometimes it hurts. And it's painful. But are you willing to do it to allow God to proclaim who he is? Am I making sense, Brother Terry? Too much sense, I think. We want the world to know who Jesus Christ is. But sometimes it comes at a price. And we must be willing to pay that price. And you know, when you get into that mindset, Brother Jim, when you go through that trial, you know what you can do? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for counting me worthy to use me in this way. Thank you, Lord, that other people might see who you are through me. When you get in that mindset, you can thank God for what you're going through. And you can thank him for the pain and the hurt and the hardship that you might have to face. I can imagine old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were sure thanking God when that angel showed up. Now, you can believe what you want to, but I believe that angel was Jesus Christ. And I thank God for every time he shows up. But today, you know who we have? The Holy Ghost of God. And I like it. I like it when he shows up. I like it when he shows up and he comforts my heart. I like it when he shows up and he puts his arms around me. And he says, David, it's going to be okay. I like it. I like it when the Holy Ghost of God reaches out and touches our hearts as a group, as a church, and shows us what he's capable of. I like it when the Holy Ghost of God begins to convict hearts and show them their need. I like it when the Holy Ghost of God moves in men's lives to make a difference and to make a change. I like it when the Holy Ghost of God shows a man that he needs to know Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. I like it when the Holy Ghost of God just, just does a work that only he can do. But every once in a while, we just need that Holy Ghost just to reach out and put his arms around us. And through that, it shows other people who he is. But you know what else I see about this thing here in Daniel chapter 3? When it was all said and done, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were better for it. Can I tell you something, Christian? When you get to the other side of the trial, you'll be better for it. Can I tell you something, church? Churches go through hard times every once in a while. They go through just, I don't know what it is. But when the church gets to the other side of the trial, 
the church is better for it. The girls were singing about that ocean a while ago. And I can't remember the words just right. But they talked about their trust. And they talked about their faith. When you go through the trial, you know what it does? It increases your trust in God. And it increases your faith of what He can do. Can I tell you, if you know Christ is your Savior, He loves you. And He cares about you. And He knows these trials are going to come. And He'll be there with you every step of the way. And when it's all done, people will know who He is. People will know of His power and of His glory. And that He can save an old sinner like me and like you. People will see the love of God in you. And can I tell you this? <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll just come down here. I spend most of my time down here anyway. You'll be better for going through the trial. And I'm going to give an invitation right now. The invitation is real simple. You ready? If you're not saved here today and you want to know what I'm talking about, why don't you come on up here and we'll take a Bible and show you. You can know for sure that Jesus is your Savior. And you can have the Holy Ghost to be your comforter and to be your friend. The Christian, you might be going through that trial right now. And maybe you just need to come forward and say, God, thank you for allowing me to go through this trial. That people might see who you are through me as we go through this together. And I'm not done yet. You might say, well, preacher, I'm not going through a trial right now. Like I said, hold on. Hold on. The next part of the invitation is real simple. Say, Lord, as I go through a trial, whatever you might have before me, Father, give me the strength and the wisdom and the capability to know it's you, to know I can trust you, to know that I can totally place my faith in you, that you'll be there with me, and that we'll come out better for it on the other side. I know a missionary. I met a missionary a few years ago. And if I called his name, you might know who it is, but he's in Honduras, and he's been there for probably 40 years now. And 
I, probably, what, 20 years ago or better, I guess it was, I was there. And I visited with Brother Ronnie. And I said, Ronnie, you coming back to the States? He said, nope. He said, this is where God put me. This is where God's blessed me. This is where God uses me. And he said, I know it'd be easier on my family, but he said, I ain't coming back. He said, this is where I belong, and this is where they will bury me. Then I knew another missionary who couldn't endure the trials and trouble and the hardships of missions. And he wound up putting a gun to his head and pulling the trigger. Do you understand? You've got to be willing to allow God to put you through those trials. No matter how hard, no matter how difficult, you've got to be willing to allow God to put you through those trials. So my question is, are you willing? Let's all stand for a minute. You don't need to wait for the music. If God's spoken to your heart, you come right now. Come on, the altar's open. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, would you come? Come on. Christian, if you're here and you're going through a trial, you need to bring it to the altar. You bring it. Bring it right now. Come on. And Christian, I ask you, are you willing to say, God, I'll do it. I'll go through it if it be your will for me. That he might receive the honor and the glory that people would come to see who he is because of what you're facing and going through. Are you willing to trust him, to have faith in him? Would you come? Come on. Come on. Come on. right now. God spoke to your heart. Would you come? Would you come?
I hope you know I was trying to encourage you today just to show you that's how much God loves you. He'll be there with you. And can I say this? I believe not only God goes with you when you go through a trial, but you've got a church family that'll go with you when we go through a trial.